Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. All right, everybody, get your forks out, get your knives out, get your napkins out, get some water out because you're going to have to. Well, no, you're not going to. I don't know if we're even have to have some water. We're going to talk about something that I don't think I've ever talked about on the show, and that's eating, which is kind of amazing that I don't talk about eating because it's really what I love to do more than anything. In fact, neck and neck, what do I like doing more, talking or eating? Hmm, let me think about that. Uh, with me to uh, have the conversation, Amy Matheny from the Chicago Reader, my beloved Chicago Reader. And the world-famous Mike Sula. Yeah, that Mike Sula from the Chicago Reader, who's never been on this show before. I've asked him many times. He's always turned me down saying he's too busy. Just joking, Mike. You've never... <laughs> I just said that. Uh, just joking. You've never asked. I, I know, I know. I sit here. I should like. I should have asked him. Uh, anyway, I know. I just threw that out there. Um, so anyway, Amy, why don't you start by talking about this uh, recipe book that uh, Mike put together and then we'll take it away yeah. and Michael explain what's in it. Yeah, well, yeah, there was a whole team. I mean, Mike is definitely, you know, the, the, the genius by far and the perspective um, and really took on a for share of wrangling um, really a citywide effort. Uh, you know, the Chicago Reader, we've been trying to do whatever we can, not only to stay afloat ourselves, but in this time where we lost, like, 90% of our advertisers, because most of our advertisers, if you read our paper and pick it up, you know that our advertisers are um, kind of the melting pot of gathering places, uh, Chicago's bars and music venues and theaters and museums and um, and all of those kind of things. We get to engage with this great city of ours. Um, so we lost 90% of our revenue and we have started pivoting on new ideas of ways not only to raise money for our staff and to keep writing the stories about this city, which could never be more important than uh, those stories are now, um, to shine light and also to connect us, but also ways to give back to a lot of our reader family, which are our advertisers and the people that we write about um, and that advertise in our paper. And so the idea came up to do uh, a cookbook. Uh, it's called Reader Recipes. Chicago cook and drink at home because we added the drinking part because we are definitely imbibing some during this period as well. And it was a very easy uh, reach to go to some of our just beloved locations. Um, I feel like, you know, Mike just forged ahead. We had been planning a cultural food, food and cultural festival, surprisingly enough, about 30 days after the shelter in place happened. So some conversations have happened with a lot of diverse uh, cultural institutions um, from small to, you know, world renowned. Um, and then I also started along with Mike and others, because I work with a lot of beverage companies and local distilleries, um, you know, going out to bartenders and a lot of the venues and, uh, and places we go, the, the 
small watering holes in the very S-scale cool um, distilleries that are now known on a worldwide scale, um, like the Weatherby and Caval and the very famous Malort um, that is Chicago's own and many more. So it was really just a, 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 a great um, soup of putting all of these people together to hopefully lift all boats, as our publisher, Tracy Bain, always says. And, and Mike just really, I mean, Mike, you can talk talk about, like, I know you were so excited to go to some of your, you know, your favorite places and say, um, give me recipes. And also we're very mindful of the diversity one in the book. Can tell people about some of that? Yeah, well, we... Um yeah, when I say it wasn't just me, it really just wasn't. It was about 80 different chefs and bartenders uh, from all over the city at operating at every kind of um, level, everything from, you know, super high-end fine dining to mom-and-pop neighborhood restaurants. And, you know, I, you know, as I say in the introduction, you know, chefs are, chefs are busy. Chefs are always busy. And even if they're the kind of people that want media attention, um, they're often always so busy that they can't, uh, they can't give it, you know, even if they want it. And, you know, in a, you know, matter of weeks, you know, we reached out and we got 80 recipes from 80 different chefs and bartenders. And, you know, just because, you know, so many restaurants are shut down during the stay at home place, these, these people are still working. Like, they're working their butts off. Um, they're trying to stay alive. They're trying to help other people. And, um, just these, all these people from, you know, the broadest array of um, Chicago uh, chefs and bartenders just really stepped up and brought in some really, really great recipes. Everything from uh, super, um, super sort of complicated, involved, you know, week-on-long cooking projects to super simple and delicious things that you can pull together out of whatever you have left in your pantry before you brave the supermarket. Well, and I love that perspective, Mike, that you kind of brought early on, which was like, let's just kind of see what chefs, if we opened up the pantry, what they're kind of throwing together that just gives them some inspiration, you know, of being quarantined at home <laughs> for another day. And that, that came up with some compelling different uh, concoctions that we got. Maybe, um, you know, people using things like chickpea sauce and spam has become, right, like a new... <laughs> Yeah. The new staple of COVID-19. Uh, I am uh, I am really looking forward to making a uh, uh, food writer and pizza maker Dennis Lee's uh, Spam Bourbon Pate. Mm. I have the ingredients. I, I, I bought them all like, right before uh, on my last trip to the grocery store. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. Uh, yeah. uh, before we run through uh, we have, uh, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to get uh, Amy tell people where they can get the book just before we uh, yeah. take the deep dive. Well, definitely they can purchase the book at chicagoreader.com backslash recipe book. That's chicagoreader.com backslash recipe book. But, you know, we also have, we have a lot of other things we're, we're, we've got, um, you know, that we're selling right now with Chicago Reader. And so, you know, when you go to our chicagoreader.com page, you'll see a button that says ways to support us. And if you click on that, uh, the cookbook is just now the most recent added as of yesterday afternoon uh, to a bevy of things from masks and give money back to MedShare to our, our limited edition puzzle, which is almost sold out. Um, our coloring book, which has been flying off the shelves, our 
still own the book, the 420 Companion, because it's 420 every day of the year uh, that we launched on April 20th. And then also now we're starting to launch um, some of these overview books of our writers. Um, and the first one that we're launching is, you know, Chicago pop stars, hardcore heroes, and house legends, 10 years of Chicago reader music features by um, by Lior. So, you know, it's, uh, and that book has been doing very well. We've been breaking um, any of our expectations on that book as well. And these things I should just say, we call them books. They are books. You will be mailed an actual book. Um, and the cool thing about the cookbook is that it, it wipes down really easily. It's spiral bound. Um, it's got a glossy cover, but the pages are also laminated because, you know, I like to lay on the middle of the island and then you start doing stuff, right? It gets messy. Um, but you also, if you prefer to cook with an iPad, um, if you buy the printed copy, you get the PDF um, automatically. So if you're working on an iPad and you're flipping through your recipes and you like that tablet on your island, that will work. Um, you can give the copy to a friend if you like the PDF. Or you can just buy the PDF. That's the most affordable. But any of those ways um, help us and help hospitality workers. Mike, talk about some of the the recipes uh, that you particularly enjoy that are in this book. Yeah, I was just going to mention. I, was, I had my mind on the Sam Bourbon pep, pate, and I was thinking of some of uh, some of the simpler ones that are really sort of geared toward um, you know times when you uh, don't necessarily have a brimming pantry, maybe don't have a lot of money in the bank account. Um, Emily Sperlin, Emily. Berlin, the pastry chef from the great Lula Cafe, turned in uh, the Desperate Times pie, which was something that came from West Virginia during uh, the Depression, which is basically, you know, a sweet dessert pie um, based on vinegar, sugar, water, and flour. And it comes together into this um, nice sort of like confection um, that is just kind of like perfect for this, this kind of thing. Um, on the other hand, we have um, the great legendary chef Jean Joho from Everett's restaurant uh, turned in his Eiffel Tower souffle, which is something that it's like a it's you know it's like a three page recipe. He's a lot of time <laughs> on your hands. Yeah. Um, you know, have a, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of patience. Uh, this is this is kind of the the thing for you. I mean, we just have these kind of things that sort of like span the entire spectrum of uh, difficulty and simplicity. Um, you know, I said Brian Bruns from Great Logan Square, sort of Alpine Smokehouse Flat and Point gave us a three-page sourdough recipe that's going to take you all summer to master. But if you, <laughs> if you, you do it like a tenth as well as he does, it'll be a success. Well, and bread is like the big thing now, Mike, right? Like, I know that like in our household, my partner has been started the sourdough starter a month ago, smelled god awful in our house, but now we've been having bread like nonstop. Like she found like a place to get her flour from this little, you know, farm in like Indiana that's been sending us uh, flour. Uh, it seems like the whole world is kind of bread nuts, but I mean to have yeah, and your eye, your eyes on that recipe, which is very well known and so intricate, is is so cool. You know, so cool they gave that up. You know. And you have a new uh, you have a new pet in your house with a, a sourdough starter. You got you to keep that yeah. thing alive. You can't, you can't let it die. Yeah, it, it has to get fed like every other day or something. I don't know. We've learned how to make crackers from the leftovers, even so. Oh, I haven't. Yeah. I just enjoy. I just enjoy them, but uh, it's kind of cool. And and I love that there's just so much of the different flavors of our city. Um, 
that I think also was just being influenced on the excitement that you had around some of the restaurants you were talking to for, for the now delayed food and culture festival that we were going to do. But um, I, I'm really excited about some of these mom and pops, you know, recipes that maybe are passed down through, you know, generational cooking. Yeah, that was a disappointment. We had to postpone that, but we did get recipes from a lot of people that were going to participate. We have um, Garifo Nafleva um, did their uh, Belizean uh, chicken stew. Um, Yolanda Castillo is the, you know the great chef there. Uh, turned turned that in. That's a family recipe that goes back a long time. Just a nice, big, warm, comforting bowl of love uh, right there. Um, uh, Georgina Pereira uh, from Sinha Brazilian cuisine has um, the Brazilian empanadas. Um, that's, a, that's a good like afternoon project um, that'll keep on giving. Those you know those those, those will keep for a while. They'll freeze well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all good. Money. Go ahead, Ben. Uh, yeah. Are you do you do cooking as well as eating, or are you just an eating kind of guy? <laughs> No, I, I love to cook. It, it, cooking is one of those things that uh, makes me feel I, like I have some control in an uh, otherwise completely chaotic world. So, yeah, I, I love to cook. Uh, um, and I've been, I've, been, I've, been cooking, I've been cooking through this as we've been working on it, too. So what are some of the recipes that you yourself uh, have prepared that are in this cookbook? Well, I, uh, one of the first things I did um, was uh, the uh, pimento mac and cheese from Honey Buddy for Butter Fried Chicken. Uh, that's uh, Christine Sikowski and, and Josh Kulp. It's super simple. It is, uh, it's, it's literally kind of like a, um, like a, like a cheese. You know, normally if you, you make a, a mac and cheese, you're making a, a bechamel, which is, you know, it's a, a classic fancy French sauce. This avoids all that. It's basically like Merck beer cheese melted down with uh, some dairy and pureed pimento uh, peppers. Um, super simple, super easy, delicious, comforting. Um, uh, I'm going to make, make Jurassic uh, umami um, cheese crackers, which brave, brazenly calls for MSG. MSG is, is a, 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 an underrated nat- monosodium glutamate is a natural ingredient. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Um, the bourbon pate, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff in here. Um, Rob Levitt has this, uh, fantastic bolognese meat sauce based on, uh, the classic Marcella Hazan recipe. Um, that's an all day thing. I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to tackle next. Um, that's just a super nice, rich, um, ragu, uh, to pour over your, uh, your rotini pasta. Uh, I saw, by the way, it was funny you should mention that mac and cheese because I was looking through uh, the list of the recipes. That's the one I, I actually wrote that down because I love mac. I love, for, first of all, I got this thing for cheese, uh, Mike, that I don't think I've ever revealed to you, but I really <laughs> love cheese. Uh, and uh, and then the other one, I have this complete and utter and total obsession with chicken. My love for chicken uh, is almost as deep in, uh, as my love for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so there's this honey buttered fried chicken I saw, man. Have you made that one, the honey buttered fried chicken? You are, I think, I think, um, I hate to tell you this, Ben, but we do not have a recipe for honey buttered fried chicken. We have a recipe from the restaurant 
honey butter fried chicken. In fact, it's the mac and cheese recipe. Oh, man, no about. wonder I saw it. I Sorry. thought it was honey butter fried Sorry. chicken. <laughs> but hey, Ben, listen, we do have, we do have a fried chicken recipe. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Papadopoulos of, of Belmore Restaurant gave us the recipe for his Firebird, which is a fried chicken sandwich, which is another one of those big projects that uh, that is going to pay off in spades when we're done with it. Wait, what do you mean by a big, how big of a project? Well, it's a, it's a little bit, it's a little bit involved. It might take you the afternoon. Uh, but I've eaten the sandwich. He's now offering, Belmore's now doing a carry out. Uh, and I have eaten the sandwich and it's, it's just a thing of beauty. It's magical. And just think how, feel, how good you'll feel about yourself if you can pull it off. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would feel really good about myself, Mike. Maybe next year, maybe next pandemic. Uh, but my wife is a really good cook. I'm very fortunate in that regard. Now, Mike, uh, so what, what, how's your life been during this pandemic, man? I mean, the, uh, the restaurants are closed. So like, what are you doing uh, with yourself? Uh, Ben, I was made for this. I had, I had a, you know, I had like a porch full of seedlings on the back porch. I had meat hanging in the garage. I looked like the Unabomber. Uh, <laughs> I was made, I was made, I was made for this. Um, no, but seriously, there's no, there've been, there've been lots of, Stories. I mean, it's just just the fact that the restaurant industry was hit so hard, hit first, um, and they're going to be the last to recover. I mean, that doesn't mean that there aren't any stories. There's, I mean, there's, I've been busier than I've ever been before. There's a lot of stories to tell. Um, yeah, and on top of it, you've been doing this book, which is a pretty big thing to wrangle in like a month. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's a huge yeah, project. You know that you did edit. So I mean. Yeah, it was a big, it was a big, it was a big project. And, um, and I'm actually going to, you know, we're, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about a lot of these chefs uh, that are, that are in this book who are still doing really good, uh, really good work. You know, they may not be able to have um, people coming in and dining yet, maybe soon, but they're, they're still, they're still working. They're still hustling. Uh, and um, yeah, and, I, and, uh, and I, I think it's super cool too that like, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I made some asks, a number of us made asks, you know, to people just to say, hey, Mike, Mike's gathering these, you know, Mike and his team are gathering these recipes. But I just loved how quick people were just so happy to, to send out, you know, a recipe and, um, you know, we made it simple for them in some ways, but, you know, you still have to pause and take the time and, and share their creative talents and and when things are you know when we when we asked them it was a little over a month ago you know and um some of them had already pivoted i think to doing curbside or um you know still working in the back of their kitchens and some of them you know weren't had laid off staff and um so it's just uh it's gonna be nice to have this book and at least for me because i don't cook but i do shake cocktails pretty much nightly right now and um, I'm going to be raising a glass to like all of these people. I mean, um, just for you know, lending lending their gifts um, and time to us. So yeah, a uh, lot of a lot of people stepped up. By the way, I just want to give a shout yeah. out to Karen Hawkins, uh, who uh, was a co-editor yeah. of the book, and Karen, dear friend of mine, great editor at the Reader. So thank you, Karen, for. Uh, when when she's done with this, uh, she has to uh, edit my stories, uh, Mike. So she she really covers the waterfront. Uh, yeah. All <laughs> me, kinds of me things. Too, me too. Uh, and me too. Well, and we, go ahead. We, we should say too that like you know, fifteen uh, percent of all these book sales are going to Comp Cab Relief Fund. 
And it's a, it's, um, a fund that's been started between support staff and a pilot light chef. And they're helping hospitality workers who are laid off or who are furloughed right now um, during the pandemic. But I also hope that in the back of the book, um, there's a really great section. I mean, you'll get that whether you get the PDF version or whether you get the printed version. And, um, you know, just say that, like, it's uh, $30 for the PDF. It's 55, but that includes your shipping and you're getting the PDF for the printed copy, you know, and includes all your hotel costs to ship it to you um, in addition to the bonus um, PDF. Um, but, like, uh, you know, in the back of this book, we really ask all of the businesses to shine a light on what they're doing. You know, are they, do they have their own relief funds? And, um, or they're, you know, doing curbside or they're doing delivery or, you know, what are, what are they doing in the effort? Like they have a limited menu or here's their website to see what their menu is each week. Um, and a lot of the bars, you know, have been, some of the bars were doing like selling their beer. Um, and then what the distilleries are doing, you know, we have pretty much, uh, you know, a number of the distilleries that we feature all local distilleries in the book. And, you know, many of them are on the very, front lines early on in, in making hand sanitizer, but now they have pivoted as well now to letting people come and get alcohol or get hand sanitizer from them. So all of those efforts, all those resources on all of them are all linked in the back of the PDF. So you can go straight to their businesses and hopefully you will consider on, you know, Takeout Thursday, um, which we have in Andersonville where I live, um, you know, to go out and frequent it at a different place or to call you know, um, one of these distilleries or, or some of the people that aren't in the book that are just great local um, breweries, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to come up and pick up some beer, you know. Um, Virtue Cider is delivering to the door, but, you know, some people have it, like, well, you know, head over to Mars or head over to Half Acre, depending upon where you live in the city, and, you know, pick up some beers, you know. So we can all support beyond this book, um, you know, and connect you to, to all these businesses. Mike, Lots of love to go around. Uh, Mike, I was going to ask you, what's your thoughts of the uh, the future for restaurants in Chicago once we move to the next phase in the next couple months? Dennis and I have been talking about leaving. My, I'm doing this show from my um, my attic, and we're talking talk about inching back to the studio, just like testing the water. How What's that going to be like for restaurants uh, in the next couple months? I don't months? know. You know, you know it, is, it, is a, it is a huge... Um, topic of conversation and consternation in the restaurant industry right now. I mean, there are, you know, you know, even with safe social distancing measures, like, you know, restaurants are not going to be able to reopen on the same scale that they used to before. Um, there's got to be distancing between tables. Um, you know, you have to think about server diner interaction. Um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just a mess, you know, and it's, I, I'm, I don't want to bring this conversation down, but there is a, there is a lot to overcome right now to get back to where we were and a lot of places aren't coming back. At the same time, a lot of places are opening. I, we got a vegan restaurant up the street from me, like just opened a week ago, um, <laughs> just, just doing carry out. Um, so I, I mean, it's, you know, the, the spirit isn't dead. I mean, this, you know, the hospitality industry is not, you know, as notoriously thin profit margins, um, that's just one of the reasons why it was hit so hard uh, by this pandemic. But it's also, 
you know, it's a passion for people. Like people are born into this industry and they, and they live it. So, I mean, it's going to come back. I don't know if it's going to come back the way we knew it, but you know, I, I I think, I think it is going to come back. Um, but I don't think anybody really has the answers about what it's going to look like. When, when you, uh, when you saw the response in Wisconsin, and we've talked a lot about this on this show, uh, when the Supreme Court mm-hmm. of the state of Wisconsin uh, ruled that the governor had gone too far uh, in ordering shutdowns of uh, restaurants and bars, etc., and within a day, I think, bars opened up and there were pictures in the newspaper of people crowding yeah. uh, right around the saloon, right around the, the bar itself, and, and the, no masks. What was, your, uh, what was your thought when you saw that? I just... Um... I just, I just felt, uh, felt dreadful. I felt dread in the pit of my stomach about it. I, I mean, it's just that, that, I mean, the, the scenes that you saw there were not, that was, those weren't a responsible reopen, you know, and I really hope, uh, you know, I think, I think the sense I get in the, from the Chicago restaurant industry is that we are not Wisconsin. And I have a feeling that that is not going to happen here. Um, I think people are just as worried about the, um, health and safety of their employees and their customers. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just think the restaurant as industry as a whole takes this very seriously in Chicago. Um, they're concerned about other things. You know, they're concerned about the screwed up way that the federal government um, sort of excluded independent restaurants from, uh, uh, from the PPP um, funds. I mean, you couldn't, um, you couldn't secure those funds if you weren't operating a restaurant because if you had to shut down you had to lay off your employees so i mean that that was a mess um so there i mean the, the chicago restaurant industry is dealing with things like that um and i mean they are starting to think about reopening and what that looks like it's, i don't think anybody knows yet yeah i uh I'm with yeah, you. And so many people working with these like skeleton crews you know too the ones that are trying to um you know, uh, keep serving with takeout and curbside pickup, um, you know, and so I think that that's, that's, that's hard too with the extra measure that will go on people who haven't really had a break, you know, um, because margins are just so small, um, especially in the food business, um, you know, maybe less so in the bar industry. I don't actually know, but in the food business, you know, you so much perishable, and you have to keep your costs so in line. That's the success of a, of a restaurant in this city, in any city, in any town. Um, and, you know, there's a volatility right now and unpredictability that we're all feeling, no matter what business you're in. But especially for those um, small independent restaurants, you know, even if they have two restaurants, you know, you might go, okay, well, they're big, but they're still on such tight, tight margins. And we're hearing that in other major cities as well. Um, of just, uh, you know, if with this reopening, it'll take even more energy and I think more care and attention and more understanding from those of us who go to them and they're trying to support them um, that, you know, they're going to be doing the best they can and we're going to have to kind of let them learn a little bit um, because it will be a lot of pressure, you know, just kind of like the straps of trying to maintain all of the standards that they try to maintain because there's already a high level of standards in restaurants that we don't have in most other establishments because they deal with food, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sanitation levels and all of that, which they know, so they're excellent. So they will navigate this, but 
it is going to be kind of like operating a new restaurant, even if you've had your restaurant for a decade or so, you know, here yeah, in the restaurant in the city. In, so, in some ways, it's, it's pretty ironic. When this first started, I talked to a restaurant owner, um, Scott Worsham, who owns Bar Biscay and uh, MFK. Mm, and his, he made, he, yeah, yeah, they're great. And now he's operating Bar Biscay as now it's kind of a bodega you know he's selling mm-hmm. uh essentials and and um and, and staples and things like that but he pointed out that you know that you know restaurants are are mandated by law to be clean and and safe yep. and food safety is priority number one in restaurants if anybody can pivot to a new reality it's, it's um yeah which again is why it's why it's so ironic that this this is the first industry to get clobbered. Yeah. They're the ones that are on top of these issues. All right, now. Yeah, uh, and Mike, I'd love to know your thoughts on whether or not, like, people who pivoted quickly to, like, set, keeping crews on and trying to do takeout, I mean, you know, how do you think that impacts the business who actually didn't pause and just immediately pivoted and started, you know, making food? for people to leave with their restaurant as opposed to those yeah. people who maybe close their doors and are trying to reopen. It feels like a different different stress, right? I mean, one they, they each come with their positives and negatives. Um, one yeah. crew may be more refreshed, you know, the other crew more tired, but they've been able to maintain maintain a business and kind of a, a, a that people are thinking of them because they've had to, as you said, with Barbara's Day, that's a really great, you know, really great example of, yeah. You know, still serving food to people, still being, because I think, you know, grocery stores are doing it. Many grocery stores are doing an excellent job. And I mean, from the larger, you know, like a Trader Joe's type type chain to like, um, you know, I have a small like Edgewater Produce or Harvest Time up near me, you know, really doing a, a good job. Um, and they've seen the benefits of people being at home and eating food and cooking more. But I think that's going to be an interesting balance of if you close and you try to open up refresh and somehow you survive being closed or if you just kept going and the fatigue and how do you get more staff on, you know, when you're probably just breaking news. Yeah, it's been interesting. Staff. You saw you saw a lot of places that weren't really geared for takeout shut down, but then, you know, a few of them have, have made the pivot and come back and others have, mm-hmm. inter- have pivoted in interesting ways like um, – Eric Williams is a chef I've been talking to a lot lately from Virtue Restaurant in Hyde Park. He did the um, mm-hmm. uh, he did the first, second installment of our like revamped key ingredients pandemic pantry series where he um, he did a video about what to do with uh, pickled eggs. But anyway, he, Virtue Restaurant has had a great couple of years. He's a, a James Beard nominated chef. There's been tons of accolades and awards um, doing just sort of like Southern comfort food down in Hyde Park, and they. You know, when this all hit, they did, um, they launched a GoFundMe and they were doing, uh, carry out, you know, just for the neighborhood. And they hit their GoFundMe goal and they were able to use that to pivot to providing meals for University of Chicago hospitals. And that's, so they shut down takeout. They're not doing that anymore, but they're feeding, um, they're feeding residents in the University of Chicago hospitals now. Mm-hmm. Like that's their business. And, He's been able to keep his, he told me, 8 to 15 people, as depending on how many orders they have to fill, he's been able to keep employed. So the, the creative ways people have been able to stay open, even if they're not, uh, you know, even if they're not cooking for the general public, is, has been interesting. 
Um, Jose Andres, Jose Andres came through um, town. He's been working with some restaurants, feeding first responders. Um, you know, through his organization, he's been able to keep a few afloat. Um, I'm not sure what the exact numbers are, but I know you know it's more than more than a few. I think. Sorry, Ben. What, what uh, no, was I was going to say, Mike. Uh, we have to close down. I'm uh, I'm waiting for yeah. you to do your greatest hit book. I think you're ahead of me, but you have to get yours in before I get mine in. And uh, we'll bring you back. We'll go through that just like I did with Lior. Uh, it's it's my wait. fault that you have – I've not reached out to you earlier, so it took a pandemic to get this done. So that's about the one good thing to come out of this pandemic. Uh, Amy, one more time before we, we head out, tell people how they can get a copy of the recipe book. Well, you just need to know our main website. I mean, just go to chicagoreader.com. You'll see ways to support and click there, and you'll see the Reader Recipes, Chicago Cooks and Drinks at Home there. You'll also see a lot of our other products, our very stylish masks that we just did with Threadless, um, our, our super cool, um, and Merlot did our um, graphics on them, the street artists. But also you can go to chicagoreader.com backslash recipe book. And again, it's a PDF download just for $30, and that really helps the Chicago Reader. And just so you know, we're offering a lot of free um, promotion right now of any of these efforts that our family members, and that by family members, I mean these bars, these restaurants, um, these theaters, you know, whatever people are doing right now, you know, we're trying to get help them succeed um, from all those efforts that you just heard Mike talk about. So $30 for a PDF download, or if you buy the print edition, $55, you get the print edition, you get the PDF download, and that includes all shipping. And again, that print edition, it's really sweet. It's spiral, laminated, wiped down, easy clean, easy to clean while you got it on your messy counter making that, that pimento mac and cheese. That, along with maybe like a, I don't know, cut with a cobalt pantry sour or Mary Pickford cocktail from Gadabout, that might be real nice on a stinky night like tonight. So, uh we, we would just really appreciate your support, and it, it keeps um, our great writers like Mike and, and so many others across our paper um, telling the stories of Chicago, plus you're giving 15% back to um, hospitality workers who have been laid off or fur- furloughed right now during um, this time in our city, direct, direct funds. All right, very good. Thank you much, Amy, and thank you, Mike. You too take care, all right? Thanks, Ben. All right. That's a, Thanks, bye, Ben. Everybody. Take care. There we go. You off? Yeah. All right, guys. They're off. Oh, they're off. <laughs> take care. <laughs> they were all saying take care. I was like, I'm not going to say it, too. Bye.